0: and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at the OncoPT.com framework. Again, that's the OncoPT.com framework. Welcome to the OncoPT podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent OncoPT. Here's your host, Elise Contu. Hello, OncoPT, and welcome back to this episode of the OncoPT Podcast. I'm so excited you're here, and we're doing a Back to Basics episode today because we're talking about cancer-related fatigue. Now I know that side effects can sometimes be this like sexy buzz word phrase almost within cancer rehab but we kind of tend to gloss over what exactly this means and when we do this when we gloss over when we really don't stop to think about what exactly is this what are we talking about how does this affect the person in front of me we can sometimes underestimate the true ramifications the implications that they can have on a person and their ability to be independent, to be mobile, to do the things that they want to do and they love to do in their lives. So in this episode, we're doing a a series on cancer-related fatigue, and we're going to really dive into what is it? How does it affect a person? And then in the next episode, we'll talk about what can we as the physical therapist actually do for the person who has cancer-related fatigue. So before we dive into that, it's important to note here, when we talk about survivors here on the podcast and this will make sense here in a bit when we talk about survivors i am talking about someone who has been diagnosed with cancer and as my good friend scott capoza puts it basically you have to survive hearing the words you have cancer because again it is one of the most devastating experiences that i think a person can have and so at that point that's where we really start to call people survivors. I know people feel very differently about the use of the word survivor and whatnot. For our purposes on this podcast, I am using survivors to denote a person who has been diagnosed with cancer. And so, what this means is we are going to be talking about someone anywhere from diagnosis through the rest of their lifetime to the end of their life whatever that looks like for them so just we're so we're using the same common language throughout our episodes moving forward so cancer related fatigue or crf as it's sometimes abbreviated affects sometimes up to 80 percent of cancer survivors and when i say up to 80 percent that's because the estimates truly range i have seen anywhere just in the past um literature i've Re, excuse me, the literature review that I did preparing for this episode, I've seen estimates range from 60% all the way up to 100%. So 80% seems to be a statistic I see repeating itself. It seems to be right in the middle of that 60 to 100%. But regardless of the actual percentage of cancer survivors who experience cancer-related fatigue, this is a significant number of people. In fact, cancer-related fatigue is probably the most common impairment, cancer side effect that people experience when we talk about cancer survivorship. Now, it's important to know that cancer-related fatigue is not this typical, oh, you know what, I'm tired at the end of a long day, you know, I'm going to take a nap and wake up feeling refreshed. Cancer-related fatigue is a completely different ballgame, and we have to understand this if we're going to really talk about this and understand the toll that it has on a person's ability to function, frankly. So cancer-related fatigue, as defined by NCCN, which are the, let me pull up my uh, document here so I say it right, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. Cancer-related fatigue is a distressing, persistent, subjective sense of physical emotional, and or cognitive tiredness or exhaustion related to cancer or cancer treatment that is not proportional to recent activity and interferes with usual functioning. Now, this, again, definition is straight from the NCCN uh, Cancer Related Fatigue Guidelines from updated 2022. This is a glorious document, and I would really recommend you, after you're done listening to today's episode go over to nccn.org and under the professionals tab, you can actually create a free account. This is not an ad, okay, this is just a really good source of information. You can create a professional account with them as a physical therapist who works with people who have cancer or wants to work with people who have cancer. So you can access all of the amazing guidelines documents that they have. There are some free public-facing documents that are more written for patients. These that I'm referencing right now and some of the others I've used, especially in uh, like specialty exam prep, are hidden behind a, not necessarily a paywall, but you have to be a member. And you can be a member as a physical therapist, so just FYI. So anyways, back to cancer-related fatigue. Let's break down this definition a little more. Cancer-related fatigue is a distressing, persistent, subjective sense of physical, emotional, and or cognitive tiredness or exhaustion. Cancer-related fatigue is not this sense of, again, I'm just feeling a little tired. I'll take a little nap. I'll feel refreshed. This is completely the opposite of that. As someone who has never experienced cancer-related fatigue, this is the one thing that I think bothers my patients the most, most pervasively throughout their existence, perhaps. This is a very distressful experience It's not pleasant. We already understand this. But it is so detrimental to that person's ability to do the things that they want to do and need to do. It's very upsetting. And I think that sometimes because this is such a subjective thing, we can't really measure it as objectively as say, you know, like balance problems or lymphedema. Sometimes we don't fully appreciate how bothersome truly this can be for a person. So cancer-related fatigue is distressing. It is persistent. Again, it seems to invade every discipline of that person's lifestyle. And that's one of the things that this NCCN document talks about is this absolutely affects every domain of their existent. Existence, excuse me. And It is not usually a short-term side effect it is very long-lasting this in fact can continue to affect people for months after their cancer treatment is done sometimes even years after their cancer treatment is done this affects their quality of life it affects again their ability to do the things that they want to do and need to do to return to work after treatment and it's really problematic a lot of times for patients because medication is not particularly useful in managing it. Again, totally distressing, persistent, and it is subjective. This is not something that we can, at least as of now, at the time of this recording in 2022, we don't have really great objective measures for cancer-related fatigue. You know, like, yes, a person could do a six-minute walk test, and that can tell us some things, but we don't have, like, very clear, clear clear-cut, okay, cancer-related fatigue, here's what's going on here. Again, with the physical, emotional, and or cognitive tiredness or exhaustion. This affects the entire person, sometimes in more areas than others, but it's not just a physical tiredness. This can also cloud their decision-making or even be an emotional exhaustion that we don't necessarily experience unless we've been on that side of things. So again, cancer-related fatigue is unfortunately very all-encompassing when it comes to how it affects the person. Now, the second part of the definition we covered earlier, related to cancer or cancer treatment. So again, not just cancer treatment, but even as a result of the cancer itself, people can develop and experience cancer-related fatigue. We have good evidence to suggest that patients can experience increased fatigue even before they start treatment, and it's truly because of their cancer, but it could also be some other things that are contributing here that we'll get into a little more later. So cancer-related fatigue is not proportional to recent activity. It's not necessarily an indicator of, wow, I overdid it when I was walking around earlier today. Sometimes patients have this, again, overwhelming, true exhaustion that exceeds the activity they do. And in fact, we know as the physical therapist, or maybe you're coming to know as the physical therapist now, that activity is actually good for cancer-related fatigue which kind of seems opposite when you first start to learn about and think about fatigue. You know, if I'm tired, that probably means that I did too much. I overdid it. When in fact, with cancer-related fatigue, that is not the case at all. Cancer-related fatigue is not proportional to recent activity, and it interferes with a person's usual functioning. This affects their ability to do the things that they want to do and need to do. This affects a survivor's ability to go home after treatment, and clean the house, to care for themselves, to care for their families, to go to work, to go run errands, to be a part of their community. Cancer-related fatigue interferes with functioning. And it's so crucial that we understand this because this absolutely affects us as the physical therapist and our plan of care for this patient with this patient. Since cancer-related fatigue is such a subjective experience, it's really important that we are screening patients and assessing patients to see to what degree that they're experiencing this. And again, I'm so excited in this 2022 update, they go into how do we screen patients of all ages for cancer-related fatigue. And I have to admit y'all, I treat mainly adults in my practice. I really don't see a lot of pediatric oncologic patients, and so cancer-related fatigue was really not on my radar for pediatric patients. But in this guideline, it talks about appropriate ways to screen adults, adolescents, and children for certain age groups on if they're experiencing cancer-related fatigue and to what degree. For the really young kids, it's more of a are you tired? Are you not tired? But then as they get older, it really defines what are the appropriate skills you should be using as they get into adolescence, young adulthood, and then into actual like adulthood here, which is really, really cool. There's lots of different ways that we can assess for cancer-related fatigue. In our next episode, we'll talk a little bit more about what should we as the physical therapist be using? But what I want to focus on today is, like, what should we be doing in general as the oncologic, as the, as the health community, healthcare, excuse me, community for these patients? They need to be assessed via self-report. Because cancer-related fatigue is subjective, self-report is going to be the best way that we can determine what is the patient experiencing and to what degree. There's different scales out there. So cancer-related fatigue, as we've talked about previously, can be very can be a very multi-dimensional experience. It affects many different domains of their existence, and there's also a lot of different factors that can be contributing or causing cancer-related fatigue, and so we have to assess them appropriately from there. Again, more on this later, but one of the most important things to take away is that we should be screening patients at regular intervals for cancer-related fatigue. This includes... From the point of diagnosis onward, again, during treatment, after treatment, and even to the end of life. Because again, that's how pervasive cancer-related fatigue is, and we really have to consider this. Patients should be aware of this and should be educated about this, because again, This is one of the most common side effects that patients can experience, and I don't know about you, but in my care, when I was previously at a previous institution, patients were told all the time about, oh, nausea, vomiting, but cancer-related fatigue really wasn't something they talked about. And again, I think it's because when they're in the middle of, say, chemotherapy, nausea and vomiting can be somewhat more of an immediate concern. But since the focus is so short-term on that, like what is the here and the now, we tend to lose sight of what is the big picture here? What could the patient be experiencing or developing now that could come to be a really, really big problem in just a few weeks, heck, even a few days, few months, and then last for months to years after that? Again, cancer-related fatigue is a really great example of that, unfortunately. We're going to spend just a little bit of time talking about the causes of cancer-related fatigue. Please understand that this could be, I would say, almost an entire podcast by itself. Not just podcast episode, like podcast, because of how complicated and multi-layered cancer-related fatigue is. For a long, long time, cancer-related fatigue has been unreported, underreported undiagnosed, underdiagnosed, as well as undertreated. So we've kind of been failing as a whole. I clump us into this. We have been failing as a whole to screen, assess, and then manage this appropriately for a long, long time. And there's still so much that we have to learn about this and how it really affects a person and their body on like a cellular molecular level. So we know that fatigue is a very common symptom in patients with cancer, like period. All cancer types, pretty much all treatments, and it's especially prominent, we find, in patients who are undergoing cytotoxic chemotherapy, radiation, hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, and then other treatments as well. Again, this is not all-inclusive, but we definitely see this cancer-related fatigue as a trend, especially among patients who are receiving these kinds of treatments. And we don't fully understand why these treatments cause the cancer-related fatigue that we do see. The NCCN guideline that I'm referring to today talks a little bit about, and I quote, pro-inflammatory cytokines, HPA axis dysregulation, excuse me, circadian rhythm desynchronization, skeletal skeletal muscle wasting, excuse me, and then genetic dysregulation. And then on top of that, All of these different proposed mechanisms might actually be working together to compound cancer-related fatigue further, which is really unfortunate. So we have some ideas of what's causing cancer-related fatigue. They might even be working together to make it worse, but we still don't really know. And one of the things that I'm, I'm personally very interested in, and I have so little information on, this is personally a point of like further research that I'm assigning to do myself. The past couple years at CSM, I haven't attended a session on this specifically, but one of, there's a very particular oncologic physical therapist who's a really big proponent of central fatigue. And that really fascinates me. And I know so little about it. So that's something that I want to do more digging into. Um, here's a, here's a shout out right now. If you have resources on this, I would love to get my hands on those and just love to learn a little bit more about that. So please would love it if you could send them my way, that would be greatly, greatly appreciated. But all this to say, there's so much that goes into cancer related fatigue. We have truly just opened the can of worms of all that is cancer related fatigue. There are certain populations that are more predisposed to developing it. As I mentioned earlier, there's some very key cancer treatments that tend to we tend to see cancer related fatigue more often in those. But we also see patients who have who have um, increased or like more severe disease stage, so more advanced cancers tend to have. They're more likely to develop and to experience cancer related fatigue. We also see that for some patient populations, females versus others are more likely to experience it. Patients who have chronic pain are more likely to experience more fatigue. So there's some connections that we're making still, but again, still have a lot to learn. We also see that some patients who have pre-existing conditions or comorbidities can also be at an increased risk for cancer-related fatigue and exacerbated cancer-related fatigue. Among some of those could be thyroid conditions, as well as other endocrine disorders. Again, still so much we have to learn here, but as we know and as we've talked about on this podcast previously, patients who have cancer don't just live in this health bubble. They don't just have cancer. A lot of patients with cancer are older and are more likely to have certain comorbidities that just comes with age or unhealthy lifestyles or even just existing for any number of time, frankly, in the United States. And so Again, multiple things on top of that, we also have to consider that many patients are on medications for such conditions, and those medications can have compounding side effects. So there's so much that goes into this, and this isn't meant to overwhelm you. It's just meant to highlight there are so many things that can contribute to this patient's experience and their difficulty doing the things that are important to them that they need to do. So could just be all part of this puzzle that is the person in front of you who's experiencing cancer-related fatigue. What I want to close with today is really emphasizing the importance of cancer-related fatigue and why it's so critical that we pay attention to that, to this and really try to understand why this is so important for our patients and why this is so impactful to their lives. There is a really great study that came out in, here we go, Uh, actually in April of 2022 in rehabilitation oncology. It's called Increased Fatigability in Women with Persistent Cancer-Related Fatigue After Breast Cancer Treatment, a pilot study. And so one of the things that they found is that cancer-related fatigue has a very significant effect, a very significant impact on a person's physical functioning as well as their quality of life. And some of the key findings that they talk about in the introduction here Survivors of breast cancer with fatigue report twice the number of falls as patients who do not have fatigue. So it's not just this, oh, I'm tired, oh, a nap doesn't fix this. This is affecting their safety. This is affecting their longevity. This is potentially affecting whether they're going to fall break a hip, go into the hospital. And as we know, okay, not even considering COVID, but a person who is who, who falls and breaks a hip has a 50% likelihood of dying within I think like the next year in the United States. That's bonkers. Not to be catastrophizing here, but this is a really, really big deal. Fatigue impacts a person's life. A person, so again, going back to this study here, some of the things they're talking about in this introduction, survivors of breast cancer who have cancer-related fatigue take longer to do the five-time sit-to-stand test, have slower gait speeds. And again, we know that these are tied to, these are predictive of patients having increased fall risk. And I would go so far as to say, I was reading some other research earlier today, but this absolutely affects their survival, their long-term survival some of these patients are getting through cancer treatment. They're cancer-free, amazing, but they're still left to live with these side effects that ultimately can affect their long-term life. And one of the things that I think it's really important to kind of center ourselves back on here is that previously we didn't have this conversation about cancer-related fatigue, and here's why. People were not living past their cancer diagnosis living through cancer treatment long enough to develop these long-term side effects. So we're here now. We're here in 2022 at the time of this recording, and patients are living longer. We're seeing better outcomes, better than ever, and we're continuing to see improvements in long-term survivorship, in living longer past diagnoses, in living longer with advanced stages of cancer, which is is just amazing. It's mind-boggling how exciting this can be. But now we're in the new frontier. We've been in this new frontier. It's just finally getting a little more um, excitement. But we are now in this new frontier of patients are living longer, long enough to the point where they are now experiencing these long-term side effects. And it's not just a few. Remember, conservative estimates are putting 80% of cancer survivors total are experiencing cancer-related fatigue at some point. This is persistent. This is distressing. It affects every domain of their existence. So now that we're here, it's important for us as the physical therapist to step up and be able to do something about this. So this person, after their cancer diagnosis, can do the things that are important to them being mobile, being able to be functional, be independent improve their quality of life or maintain their quality of life. These are important things to the person, no matter their stage of diagnosis, no matter their grade, no matter how much time they have left. These are important for the person in front of you. So I would highly encourage you, make sure that you subscribe to the OncoPT podcast. Next week's episode is going to dive more into what can we as the physical therapist do for the person who has cancer-related fatigue. Definitely don't want to miss that one. And I will see you in the next episode. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the OnCo PT podcast. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, leave a rating and review, or support us on Patreon.